Hello and welcome to the 10 to Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. And thank you so much for your listenership this last year. You're joining us for episode 50. We took two weeks off mid-year, so actually this marks the end of our first year. So hey, person who congratulations to us. Let's brag ourselves on ourselves a little bit. We made it. Slap hands, high five. That's what we like to do. Happy, is it birthday or anniversary, do you think, for a podcast? Um, Podversary day? Podversary day. Happy Podversary day. We'll go with that. <laughs> now, in light of this, guess what we're going to give ourselves as a present? Hmm. What? A new name for the show. <gasps> I know, get ex- it is exciting. Yes. Now, yeah, we're not going to tell the people what the name is going to be yet. We're going to debut it next week. Now, uh, the content that we're going to be providing is only going to shift by like a degree or two is all. It's going to be mostly the same as it is now. We're still going to track 10 great matches from all over our country, our confederation, and the whole world going to corners of the globe that nobody else does to talk about top flight league matches and tournament matches. Person new, provided you're willing, you're still going to be my able and wonderful co-host since you're the real star of the show, right? Yeah. All right. We're still going to have Noobstradamus. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about Noobstradamus? His name is Noobstradamus. And he travels through space and time to have his visions. Whee! Yeah, he's not always he's not always stable, is he? <laughs> In any case, um, and basically we're going to do all. The, oh, and uh, I almost forgot we're still going to be doing uh, your your semi regular segment. You still want to do the sandwich reviews? It's personal sandwich review. Yes. yes, I like it too much. <laughs> I think you like it just the right amount. No, Person news sandwich exactly. review with a B. So as you can see, things are going to be mostly the same. We're going to go just a little bit more uh, American heavy with our matches of the future. That's going to be the only real change. And best of all, we're going to debut, debut our theme song. Remember <gasps> what we almost named the show and we did a theme song? That's going to be, but don't tell them what it is yet. They get to discover it next week. It's going to be cool. So anyway, Pursuit, what do you say we keep this train rolling for another year? It's time for... March number one! We will keep things chronologically oriented as always. No Friday matches happen to make the tent to track, so we start on Saturday. Our first match comes from... The Dominican Republic, where the top flight is called the Liga Mayor. There's a site I trust called Kick Algorithms that ranks, amongst other things, all the various league associations and different confederations they consider CONCACAF, or rather this league, to be the number seven rated one in CONCACAF, perhaps just ahead of Jamaica, although a lot of sources will tell you Jamaica's is a little bit better. They are in the second phase of their season. They had a longer, quote-unquote, regular season. Now they are in their second phase, where they're playing a double round robin. There are just two matches left in that, calling it the championship round. After this, the top four will have qualified for what they call the final phase. In any case, the matchup, this was a number one versus second place matchup when I scouted it a few days ago. Right now it stands as a number one versus number three. Sebao is on top of the table, taking on and hosting number three Atletico Pantoja. Here's how the table stands. Siba, 17 points for this phase. Vega Real are in second with 14, and then Pantoja have 12. So it's really looking like all three of these are going to qualify fairly easily. And I don't have anything else that I really want to say about this because I've talked about these teams relatively recently. And so 
We not only like to learn about soccer on this show, we like to learn about the world through the lens of soccer or simply looking at soccer as an excuse. And one of my favorite things, as longer time listeners will know, is to talk about delicious recipes. Noob loves food. You get to pronounce the double O the same way as for both, as opposed to good food. Should it be good food or good food? In any case, that's silly. Let's talk about the recipe. In the Dominican Republic, and in fact, all over the world, goat stew is one of the most popular foods around. And I found a recipe for a delicious, spicy one from the northwest part of the country. There, they call it chivo guisado picante. Local folklore has it that the goats in this northwest part of the DR feed on wild oregano their whole lives. And so they get infused with this flavor. Now, I don't know how much science there is to that, but given how popular the stew is, who knows? So let's take a look at the ingredients first. Give goat a chance. You're going to need a couple of limes and or a bitter orange. Uh, you're going to need your goat meat. You can do a traditional and have the bone in, or you can find cube stuff that is bone out at your local international grocery market. Uh, red onion, powdered oregano, mashed garlic, uh, salt, oil, Cubanella peppers. These are really, really sweet peppers, but I assure you the dish is going to turn out very, very hot. Uh, plum tomatoes, tomato sauce, red wine, or if you're not going to be serving it to children, because I'm not sure it really all cooks out and evaporates super well like in other dishes, you can replace the wine wholesale with rum. And then you're going to need this. These are the key ingredients. Uh, one uh, you're going to use, and you only use a half of one for this recipe for serving a four, a scotch bonnet pepper, or in its place, you can use a couple of ha a habaneros. Why only a half of these, a half of one of these scotch bonnet peppers versus two habaneros? Because on the Scoville, Scoville scale, the average scotch bonnet pepper is 50 times hotter than a habanero. So you really want to be careful. You're playing with fire almost literally. And then parsley or cilantro. Now, first, you're going to need to rinse the meat. And this is when you're going to add that lime juice. Or if you prefer, you can use bitter orange. Uh, you know, stir that all into the meat. Let it sit there for about 15 minutes. Rinse the meat. Discard the liquid. At this point, when you're seasoning the meat, this is when you're going to add your onion, oregano, garlic, and a little bit of salt if you want to. And if you have the time, you're preparing this enough in advance, let it marinate overnight. But all you really, really need is an hour. Uh, you're going to brown this meat. And just the meat, you're going to set aside the onions and the juices and all that. Take the marinade out of the equation. And then you're going to cook the vegetables. Once the meat is tender, that's when you add in the onions and the meat juices, the tomato, and the sweet cubanello peppers. Now, some cubanellos are hot. I recommend using a sweet one uh, just to kind of offset that scotch bonnet pepper or that habanero. Simmer this for a few minutes, then you're going to make your sauce. That's your tomato sauce. You add in your wine along with an appropriate amount of water or your rum. You're going to simmer this to a thick sauce. I think it's going to be thinner if you use rum, but you're still going to get a creamy texture regardless. Season with salt to taste if you are so inclined. In order to reduce the sauce, decorate with parsley or cilantro leaves, and you can serve this with uh, tostones, or this would be my preparation. I love rice dishes, uh, eros blanco, or moro de habichuelas. Even though I took some Spanish, I did not take the time, nor do I remember what on earth that is. But this is how you would make this delicious recipe from the northwest of the Dominican Republic. Match number B. And even though we didn't talk about the footy, guess what? That was our only Saturday match. We move right on into Sunday for, as Person Noob mentioned, match number B. This is your weekly reminder from my daughter that 
Number two is bathroom talk. If you want to swing like the hip kids swing and noob knows you do, you want to replace that phrase in your life with number B. It's so much more suitable for a polite company. Told you the show was weird. In any case, the second match comes to us from Uganda. It's time for their FA Cup final. The winner is going to get to go to the Confederations Cup in Africa. That is their secondary international club tournament. Is their equivalent of the Europa League. So all the league champions and the second place teams from the best countries in Africa, they all go to the Champions League. All the cup winners make up this secondary tournament. And the matchup is Vipers versus BUL. And I don't know what BUL stands for. You know why? Because I didn't look it up. You know why I didn't look it up? Because it looked like on the calendar, uh, this was a very compressed tournament time-wise, at least at the end. I didn't think I was going to have access to the second semifinal score at the time of recording. So I didn't know BUL was even going to be in it, but I still wanted to talk in some way about the event. And now we have. So since I didn't do any preparation for this match, guess what? It's time to talk about another goat stew recipe. Yes, they will do battle. This is a Ugandan curried curried goat stew. We've never done two recipes before on the show, but hey, it's my show and I like stew and I've had goat before and goat's pretty decent. If you can get rid of the gaminess, a little foreshadowing there. Here's the ingredients you're going to need for the Ugandan version, a traditional recipe for curried goat stew. So somewhat hot, but maybe not as just plain old uh, super high-end Scoville hot. You're going to need your goat meat, salt, black pepper, curry powder, olive oil, red onion, You're going to want some garlic as well, a couple cloves, a large tomato. And if you like a a thicker sauce, as I do, you're going to want to have some cornstarch on hand to thicken it up. Uh, The thicker, the better for me. You're also going to need, and this was a surprising ingredient to me, a piece of ginger root, as well as some lemon juice, and then some chicken or beef stock. Now, the very first thing you're going to do is take that mysterious ginger root and uh, pound the heck out of it to release all the juices. Then boil the meat in two cups of water, And then you add the lemon juice and the ginger. It turns out this is the purpose. It's not specifically to add its own flavor necessarily. This somehow cancels out the somewhat gamey taste that you sometimes can get with goat. So it kind of has the upper hand as far as I'm concerned compared to the Dominican recipe. You have the olive oil, onions, and tomato, fry the meat. Then you add that chicken or beef stock and you're going to stir it around. You're going to have a lot of brown little bits by then. Salt, pepper, curry powder, and then the cornstarch, you're going to use that. You can use all of those to taste. It only takes about 10 minutes to simmer. So this is a much quicker recipe than the first one as well. Traditionally, you most definitely serve this over a bed of rice, probably basmati rice. And in any meal, it is always specifically served with a vegetable of your choice on the side. And that concludes match number B and our battle of the spicy slash curried goat meat recipes. Match number three. All right, New Bites, who wants to talk about some actual soccer before this show's done? Fair enough. Match number three comes to us from Major League Soccer. Let's go stateside. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season. Reminder, Eastern and Western Conference, the top seven from each are going to make the playoffs. And then in terms of international berths, uh, the conference winners, amongst other uh, teams from other avenues, will get to go to the CONCACAF Champions League. Now, your matchup is number one, Sporting Kansas City, taking on number B, Seattle Sounders. Right now, SKC lead in the table by one. Seattle, however, has a match in hand. So the West race is really looking like it's going to go down to the wire, as opposed to out east, where the New England Revolution have just absolutely been thumping everybody for the most part, and you're going to run away setting records with the Eastern Division title. 
Quick note, Colorado trails Seattle by only one in the table. They also have a game in hand uh, uh, compared to SKC. They played once earlier this season, and Kansas City won on the road one to three. As far as the overall series, uh, Seattle has a slight lead, eight wins, uh, four draws, seven losses. You can catch this on Fox Sports 1, 7 p.m. Eastern time. The Wizards of SKC, they have won the league title twice, most recently in 2013. They've gone as far as the semifinals in the championship, uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, most recently 2019. They're building off their success from last year. They finished number one in the Western Conference then, and they made the conference semifinals. This year, the defense has been above average, but the offense is where they have really been shining. We've mentioned him before, and he's worth mentioning again. Number three, league scorer Daniel Saloy, Hungarian striker, 25 years old. 13 goals on the year. He has spent his ter- entire career in SKC, except for uh, his very first year, I believe, and I don't remember if it was a lone year or not, but he was back home in uh, Uipest playing for a Hungarian side in the top flight. Also worth noting, they've got a top 10 goalkeeper in Tim Melia, American. He's been with the club since 2015. Their current form, 2-0-1 in their last three, two wins in a row, their goal differential over those matches was six to nil. Those were home games, as is this one. So they're in a really favorable, if crucial, part of the schedule right now. Worth noting, uh, Johnny Russell, by the way, a player I don't want to forget. He's been red hot of late. Scottish right winger. He's had two goals in the last three games. He was with Derby County, British fans might remember him, for five years before he came over. Derby County is a second division side. They play in the what's called the English Championship and Derby County, you uh, might have caught that they've been in the news. They're basically going belly up. The league is taking them over. They've been deducted 12 points, knocking them from the middle of the table all the way down into last with right now a negative number of points. So even though it's early in the season, it looks like they're lining up to have a new buyer and probably having to sort of start over in the third tier of uh, called League One. In any case, let's get back to this matchup. Seattle, they've got a pretty average offense, to be honest. Number one on defense, though, they allow less than one goal per match on average, second-best goal differential overall. They do have a phenomenal scorer in Peruvian forward Raul de Fli Rui Diaz. He's been here since 2018, was with Morelia in Liga MX before that pretty good side. Also on the assist leaderboard, I've been calling him Joao Paulo all year, but now I'm starting to see another one of his uh, surnames thrown in, Joao Paulo Mior, and so I'll use that full one. He is a Brazilian midfielder, and I don't know why they don't call him a flea as well. He is also only five foot seven, seven, same as Raul Rui Diaz. Anyway, he was here on loan last year. Before that, with Botafogo side, or rather Brazilian side, Botafogo. Most valuable player they might have going since they're so good on defense is probably their center back. I want you to watch for him if you catch this on TV. His name is Yaimar Gomez. He's Colombian. Decent passer, decent in open space, but really physical right down the middle. He's got nearly an 80% success rate on his tackle attempts. And while that's not unheard of, it puts him up amongst the highest of what I've ever seen. The club's form, they are currently uh, on a 1-0-2 stretch. All of the matches have been uh, 1-0 or 0-1. They've had some offensive problems, to be honest. And they just lost 0-1 at home to Real Salt Lake. So my new thoughts on this, well, Seattle's not nearly as good a form right now as Kansas City. Kansas City also might feel like they need this a little bit more since they're, they've played one more game than Seattle. I would definitely pick them at home. Match number four. 
Also a Sunday match, and we stay stateside for the top flight women's football game here in America, the NWSL. The top six teams are going to make the playoffs out of their 10. The top two will automatically advance through to the semifinals. We've only got to believe five more matches to go in the regular season. The matchup is a dandy. Number B, O.L. Reign. That's Olympic Leonese Reign. Basically, think of them as Seattle because that's where they are, and that's what until a year ago they were known as. Playing host to number four, Orlando Pride. Taking a look at the table at the time I scouted, I always throw in that caveat. Portland in first place with 38. Seattle playing in this matchup with 32. North Carolina Courage 29. Orlando Pride 28. And Chicago 26. Important note that Portland and the Courage both have matches in hand against the other teams around them. So this is particularly important for both the Rain and the Pride, and especially the Rain if they want to have any chance of being able to catch Portland for the regular season title. They have played twice this year. Seattle won both. Here in the regular season, they won nil two on the road, and then they also got to host a game against Orlando in their sort of preseason tournament called the Challenge Cup. Seattle won that one three to two. The overall series has been pretty even. Seattle has a slightly three wins, seven draws, one loss. Let's talk about Seattle first. Again, Olympic Leonese Reign. I know that's the official name. I'm just not crazy about it. I mean, it's fine. Whoever wants to own the team can own the team. Olympic Leonese is a French uh, club organization, and they became the primary stockholders just a year ago. Rebranded the whole team, the colors, the crest, everything. As far as the footy. 2014 and in 15, they finished number one in the regular season and second best in the playoffs. Last year, they finished way down in number seven, a real uh, in the table, a real anomaly for them. This year, the defense, to be honest, it's only been average, but they've got the second best offense going in the league. Uh, shooting up in the rankings in that regard and now tied for number one in league scoring is Bethany. I'm going to pronounce it Balser. It could be a hard C, not sure. She's a four with eight goals. And then another gal with whom I was unfamiliar, even though I talked about Seattle at least once before this year, Jess Fishlock. She is from Wales, a veteran, 34 years old, midfielder. She's got nearly 120 national team caps to her credit, too. Now, uh, take sort of this with a grain of salt or whatever. She may not be with the team right now. She might be on loan with Reading over in the WSL in England. She's been loaned out a lot since uh, Seattle and now Olympic Leonidas have had the rights to her since 2013. As far as the club's current form, they had a 4-1-0 in the last five. And that loss uh, was a surprise, or draw rather, was a surprising one. Uh, they drew at Louisville City, an expansion side, 1-1 recently. Now, Orlando, the pride. Uh, 2017 was the only time they ever made the playoffs in their five years of existence. They finished third best of the regular season that year, and then they made the playoff semifinals. Last year, less than a phenomenally more regular for them. They finished in ninth place. Defense has been a little bit below average And the offense has been number three So who knows, we could be in for a shootout for this one Tied for number one in league scoring Sydney LaRoe She's Canadian born but repped for the uh, U.S. Women's National Team For a long time, 2011 through 17 uh, Second best in the league in assists is Courtney Peterson She is both a defender and midfielder Very versatile The best all-around player they probably got working for him right now No surprise for those familiar with her name Marta She is Brazilian 35 years old, and a central attacking midfielder. She is possibly the greatest player of all time, or as I like to say, the boat, not the goat, and I'll address this momentarily. <laughs> I guess I'll make this the goat episode. Maybe I can give it a subtitle on uh, Spotify and SoundCloud and these other places. Uh, side note about her, she's uh, she's got the most international 
goals scored ever in Brazilian history. And that's on the male or female side. This year, she's got three goals, three assists. She is an exceptional passer in space, uh, maybe due to her height. I'm not sure. She's not particularly excelling on crosses, but she's also an amazing dribbler in open space. She's been incredibly fast for her entire career. As far as the club's current form, 2-1-0 and oh in the last three. So good luck to both teams. Now, just for fun to quickly address this, I've been made fun of before as those who also believe this have. Uh, GOAT is greatest of all time. It's a silly acronym because the goat is kind of made fun of for chewing cans. It's not particularly the most handsome animal. And if you go back historically, centuries and centuries, like uh, say ancient Jewish times, a goat was an animal that you uh, hurt, maimed, or killed to get the blood coming out of it and then sent it off into the woods because without blood, in Jewish religion and Judeo-Christianism, there is no redemption of sins. So scapegoat is what has been used for thousands and thousands of years for the goat animal. It is horrible that this gets used instead of boat, best of all time. Greatest sounds a little bit better when you're reading out the acronym than uh, the best of all time. I will admit to that, but a boat and the emojis and icons and various things that go with that, you can picture yachts or whatever kind of cool boat you want to. It just works better. So number B instead of number you know what and boat instead of goat. You're welcome. Match number five. All right, let's start globetrotting a little bit. This is another Sunday match, and we're ahead to Bolivia. Their top flight is the Primera División. According to Kick Algorithms, uh, the league is only rated number eight in CONMEBOL out of the 10 National League Associations. This year, they're doing things a little bit differently because of COVID and compressed scheduling. Most South American and Latin American countries in general set up their soccer year into two separate seasons, or what they call stages, Apatora, y clausura, opening and closing. But they're doing it differently here this year. They're just doing one single season, and it's going to be a double round robin. They're about two-thirds of the way through. Uh, the top four are going to qualify for the Copa Libertadores, that is their Champions League, and the next four in the table at the end of the year will qualify for the Copa Sudamericana. That's their secondary international club tournament. And your matchup is number B, the strongest, versus number one, always ready. Yeah, this doesn't lead into some sort of comedy segment, particularly in South America and sometimes over in Africa. You get a lot of teams that are named after uh, virtues and adjectives. I kind of like it, to be perfectly honest. At the time I scouted it, always ready, led in the table by just one, but the strongest beat them earlier on the road, nil one. Recent series, the strongest have had the best of it with a 4-1-2 and two record, and we will talk about them first since they are hosting. They are known as El Tigre, and they play in the famous city of La Paz. This is the oldest club in Bolivia, and for over a century, they have not been relegated. They've always been in that top flight. Historical side note, something I didn't know about them, even though I talked about them once before. In 1930, they won the top flight league in their country, and they didn't concede a single goal. More than impressive. Overall, they've got 12 league titles to their credit, most recently, and they won the Apertura stage in 2016. Best they've ever done in the Copa Libertadores was in 2017. They made the round of 16. Last year, they qualified for it, but they uh, got booted out in the second stage. Also last year, as far as league play, the 2020 Apertura, they finished in second place. This year, They've got the best offense in the league going at almost three per match. Uh, number three defense is well tied overall for number one in goal differential. Key likely men of the match. 
Tied for number one in league scoring is Jair Reynoso. He's a Colombian striker, 36 years old, 11 goals already. American football fans, if your knowledge runs deep enough or to this particular region, you may recognize his name. Uh, he made 10 appearances when he played for Indy 11, which is now the USL Championship. At the time, I'm sure it was the NASL back in 2016. Hot right now for them, Jaime Arascaita. He's an attacking midfielder, and he had two goals in the last match of the race. Current form is 1-1-1 one, one, and one in the last three. Now your challengers, always ready. They also are officially listed as playing out of La Paz, but really they're located in El Alto, which is an adjacent city of about a million people. Uh, last year, the 2020 Apertura, they finished number one. I think that that might be their only league title. I was seeing a little bit of conflicting information, but that's the conclusion I've come to. They have made two Champions League appearances, or Copa Libertadores, I should say, in the past, and they made the group stage this year. I think that's the best they've ever done. Second best offense, third best defense going. Tied for number three in league scoring for them, Carmelo Algaranez. He is their striker. Current form, the team has had eight straight wins, flying off the table, and no losses in their last 10. Red hot for them is another veteran, uh, long in the two, 38 years old, a defender for them from Paraguay, Nelson Cabrera. He's had two goals over the last three matches. Really impressive for a guy that age, apparently, to be playing, be playing a box-to-box -box sort of style. Real kitties or Prusa Noob imitating our kitties? You be the judge. In any case, I know what the sounder means, and that is that it is time to take from the tracking of the upcoming week's matches and do what we purport to do in our current name, and that is namely track. Let's take a look and do a recap at last week's 10 to track matches. Match number one was a Saturday match out of Liga MX, where number B, Toluca, took on number one, Club de America, and it was Toluca coming out on top three to one. Player Oscar Ortega had a brace. America now still lead Toledo, but by just one on goal differential, they are tied on points in the table. Match number B was to have been a match from Cameroon from their Elite One, but one of the semifinals of the early playoffs got postponed, and so we did not have the score. The final had not been played yet. Nothing there. Match number three, Mongolia's Premier League number one Athletic 220 took on number four Khan Kunz Urkim or Urchim, and it was unsurprisingly an A220 route. Athletic won at three to nil, no change in the table positions there. Match number four, yet another Saturday match from the FA Cup in England. The second qualifying round, Norwich United took on Mildenhall Town, a couple of, I believe, level eight clubs. And in any case, maybe it's number nine, but regardless, it was Norwich advancing three to two. Sunday, match number five, we went to Africa's Champions League, the first qualifying round, the second leg of a two-legged tie, where A.S. Otoho de Oyo from Congo took on UD Songo from Mozambique, and it was ODO, let's call them, uh, that won on penalty kicks. I'm not sure what the score was. I just saw that they won on penalties. Tuesday, match number six, we went to the AFC Cup, sort of their secondary international club tournament, to the West Asia Zonal Final, where all Kuwait taking on all Salt from Jordan, and it was all Kuwait, the favorites coming out on top, 2-0 Wednesday. Match number seven from Major League Soccer, number B, Nashville SC, took on number eight, Inter-Miami. And it turned out I had the home and away wrong. It was Nashville on the road. In any case, they won 1-5. to five. Guy we said to look for in the box score, Haney Mukhtar had a brace. Also for the losers, uh, Inter-Miami's uh, star Iguain, he had a goal. 
There was a change in table position. Nashville stays in second place, well behind the New England Revolution, but Miami drops to number nine now. Match number eight was from the tertiary club tournament in Israel, the Israeli Toto Cup between Maccabi Haifa and Hapoel Ba'er Shiva, and it was Maccabi Haifa coming off on top 1-1, and then they had to win a 7-6 on penalty kicks. Match number nine, Canada's Championship, uh, their FA Cup basically the quarterfinal. Cavalry FC took on Pacific FC. Pacific came out on top 0-1. They got a goal from a man that we said to look for in the box score, Taryn Campbell. And match number 10, the CONCACAF Leagues Cup between some of the also-rans from MLS and Liga MA Aquis. And it was Seattle Sounders playing host to Leon. And Leon won in a dandy 2-3. A uh, guy we said might be man of the match and probably was. Angel Mena had a brace for Leon. And then the bonus matches with explanations coming later on in the podcast for these. First, our route of the week was a Sunday match. Uzbekistan's Super League, where we had number 14 in last place, Andijan, taking on number one, Paktakor, who had already wrapped up the league. We warned of this possibility. And sure enough, it was Andijan getting a route of the week upset. Number, uh, rather, they won one to nil. They now are still in uh, the relegation zone, but now they climb up to number 12, which is a relegation playoff spot. It means they won't automatically get kicked out of the league if they hold that position. They'll have to play a second place team from the second division there in Uzbekistan to stay in the top flight potentially. Farkad Sohibjanov had a goal. Uh, our matchup meeting was wow. That name I didn't I didn't get that one in my review. <laughs> I completely missed that that one was coming. Feel like I got hit by a truck. The most meaningless match in the world was a Saturday match from the USL Championship. Uh, number five out of their division out west, Oakland Roots SC took on number seven, the reserve side uh, for LA Galaxy. Number seven. Played, and it was LA Galaxy winning 0-1, and they climb up to sixth place. And then finally, our match of disappointment, a Sunday match from Iceland's top flight, the Erbolsgeld, number 12 IA, took on number 11 Filker, and it was IA in an absolute route. They won 5-0. to nil. Maybe that should have been our route of the week. Uh, truth be told, it was hard to see this coming, but Filker lost a player to a red card in the 12th minute, so obviously that had a huge effect on the entire match. Nevertheless, the teams are still disappointing. There was no change in their table position. That wraps up your recap from last week. Now let's dive back into the current week's tracking with... Match number six. Sunday is absolutely chock full of worldwide soccer goodness. We're headed back to CONCACAF for another Sunday match. The CONCACAF League is the tournament. They are in their round of 16. And teams are about to start playing their second matches of their two-legged home and away ties. The top six teams from this advance will advance to the CONCACAF Champions League. So the CONCACAF League, the one we're talking about right now, reminder, is not the same thing as the CCL. It's a feeder tournament for it. Your matchup is LD Alajuelense from Costa Rica taking on Guastatoya from Guatemala. Two teams that, to be perfectly honest, aren't in their best form right now, at least as far as league play. The first leg that they played at Guastatoya, that uh, Alajuelense did their job. Uh, one, one. I'm having trouble with that name because I'd always shortened it by one syllable accidentally before. The winner of this overall two-legged tie will advance and they will get to play either Olympia out of Honduras or Inter Moengotapo from uh, Suriname. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but we won't have to worry about it much longer. Olympia beat them in their first leg 6-0. Although a fun side note about that uh, Surinamese team, their 60-year-old like owner-slash-captain-slash-manager 
played the entire first half, and I think about another 10 or 11 minutes into the second half. I don't know how much of an effect he had on the game, but that guy still looks fit. Google him up. You wouldn't guess that he's 60 years old necessarily. In any case, this particular match, which probably won't feature any 60-year-olds running around on the turf, will be on FS2 at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. First, Alajuelense. They are known as, unfortunately, the Lions, as is every other team in the world. They used to be known as the Mangos because that's a very big agricultural product or used to be in that region. I wish they'd go back to that. Who doesn't enjoy Mangos? They play out of a town called El Llano. uh, That is in the north-central Alajuela province, which is right up there on the Nicaraguan border, if you're sort of imagining it on a a map. Now, the Costa Rica Premier Division is considered by kick algorithms that I mentioned before to be the third best league in CONCACAF. Until the U.S. took over, they were the second best for a very long time. Still some really quality play going on there, even though the vast majority of their players are not imported. They are Costa Ricans. It's not that big a country. On the pitch, they've got 30 league titles to their credit. They are also the defending champions, although interestingly, that was their first title since the 2013-14 season. They've been to the uh, they've won rather the CONCACAF Champions League twice. Last time was in 2004. Uh, they've also made the finals a couple of times within the last decade, 2014 and 2015. They qualified for this year's event by winning the 2020-21 Apertura. Uh, right now in the current stage, they're only in sixth place out of the 10 teams. They've got the best offense going. They're scoring over two goals per match. But unfortunately for them, they've got Also, the worst defense, so they're only very middling when it comes to their goal differential. Tied for second best in league in scoring is Marcel Hernandez. He is a Cuban 32-year-old midfielder, not a country I don't think I've ever mentioned footy-wise, excepting this player once or twice before. The club's current form, they are 0-2-1 in their last three, although at least it looks like their defense might be improving a little bit. They only gave up four goals in those last three. And now... Trying for the mild upset, Guastatoya out of Guatemala. They are known as the yellow chest, which is a bird. I don't know if that's the actual name of that type of bird or if it is simply a reference to the bird on their crest that actually has a yellow breast on it. In any case, they play out of the capital of uh, the El Progreso department by the same name. Uh, It's a town of only about 25,000. It's pretty rural. It's in the southwest central part of the country. They do a lot of agriculture. If you've had uh, tomatoes that were marked as being from Central America, pretty good chance that they came from this part of Guatemala. In any case, they qualified for this event by winning the 2020-21 Apertura stage. That's one of only three league titles they've ever won. Right now, they are doing even worse than their counterparts today. They're only in 11th place out of the 12 in their league, tied for the worst offense. They've only scored six times in nine matches, and they're also one of the worst on defense, giving up a full two goals for game. So they're not just losing. They are getting routed. So that's why I think it's going to be fascinating to see who can come out on top on this. Team leading score is Jorge Vargas. He is an attacker with just three goals, but hey, that's half the offense. Their form, they are winless in their last eight matches. As far as my thoughts on who's going to win, if you've got put cash on the barrel head, so to speak, I suppose you put it on the uh, Costa Rican side. They're at home and they're from the stronger league. Guatemala's Liga Nacional is only rated number nine by kick algorithms. Match number seven. Boy, after a Sunday like that, New Bites, you deserve a break. So take Monday and Tuesday off from your tracking. 
We're going to skip all the way ahead to Wednesday for our seventh match, and we're headed to the UEFA Champions League, where they're still very early in their group stage. And the most intriguing-looking matchup to me looks like it would be Juventus out of Turin, Italy, versus Chelsea out of London over in England. You can catch this on Paramount Plus at 3 o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday. Each of the teams did win their first match here in the group stage. Now, it's very early in that, and I suspect we're going to be talking about one or both of these clubs again probably very soon. So let's use this as our weekly opportunity to try and make some money. Time to chat with Noobstradamus, our on-contract prognosticator, 3,500 years old, full of knowledge, wisdom, uh, drugs, but that's okay because he's going to try to give us the correct score, and the ability to touch the universal infinite with his mind, or something like that. Anyway, take it away, oh mighty soothsayer. I've already been staring at my navel for hours, and I've downed the loose expired prescription pills you sent. Yes. Yes, I'm traveling through space and time once again. Whee! I... I'm with my old friend, Jean de Charnay. Johnny, old chap. And I recognize this place. Shawnee was an old fortress of Burgundy. And there goes skittering by his runt of a third son, Geoffroy. I don't have to guess, being me that the papers he's carrying are his autobiographical poem, uncreatively titled, The Book of Geoffroy Shawnee. It's exactly as exciting as you'd expect, noob. A third son, here in the 14th century? Yawn. Jean and I are having a laugh over it when he offers me what he believes an undoable challenge. Make his boring son famous forever. Noob, I won this bet, and it's time the world knew the secret of how. Jean's servants fetched herringbone linen twill, and some particular substances with which I concocted a particular harsh acid. I laid on a concrete slab, the linen draped over me, a thorny laurel on my head, and instructed the servant to rub the acid treatment over my entirety. Flip. Repeat. The resulting negative-looking image of mine, own holy self was impressed upon the fabric in reddish-brown. A little blood from my pricked finger at just the right spots, tossed it in an oven and voila! What is now known as the Shroud of Turin. It is not Jesus the Nazarene depicted on this relic, but Nubstradamus of the Thracian Plains of Greece. Jean gifted it to Geoffroy as a family heirloom, telling him it was the Christ's and had fallen over time to his family to watch over. Hook, line, sinker. It was eventually passed down through the larger Savoy royal house and revealed publicly. Was it perfect? Hardly. But Jean and I knew the church, and everyone else would squabble over the authenticity for all time. Geoffroy's ties to what became perhaps the most famous Christian relic were set forever. The vision is fading. But the knowledge you ask of me has come. 
a third son. But a big zero was Geoffroy. Noob, Juventus of Turin will lose today, nil to three. I have seen, and I have spoken. Noobstradamus, that was rich, rewarding, and at least had some kernels of veracity in there potentially. Here's to hoping you got the score right. It would be the second time in an entire year of prognostications that you managed it. I'm also uh, a little bit dubious about uh, the parts of the vision where you are actually there, the model for uh, the Shroud of Turin, pretty famous artifact. I think that we would have known long since by now, but I do know enough about it that a lot of those uh, names in the timeline and other things are true. So thank you so much for sharing and adding to our learning journey, you ancient, ancient weirdo. All right, let's get back into the tracking of more matches with... Match number eight. Another Wednesday match, and this time we're dropping down one level to the Europa League. For our newest listeners, our footy fans, the Champions League is the best international club tournament and then you've got the Europa League, and then below that is the brand new first year they've ever played. It is going on right now, what's called the Conference League. So this is the middle of those three and still quite prestigious. How is it broken up? Well, into groups of four with the teams that are remaining for a group stage, and they play a double round robin home and away. The winners get to go to the round of 16, and now here's where things get interesting. All the second-place finishers they're not dead in the water. They have another chance to qualify and move on to the knockout round. They have to play what's called a preliminary knockout round with the third place teams from the championship league or the champions league group stage. Those teams drop down, play the second place finishers from here for the right to move on in the Europa league. And then muddying the water still further, the third place finishers in the group stage of this event, the Europa league will drop down to the conference league to a preliminary round, trying to get in in the knockout round. In any case, let's just focus now on this particular matchup. One we're looking at is Leon out of France versus Brondby out of Denmark. Interesting matchup. The reason I chose it is because Leon right now are the highest remaining seeded tournament in the co- uh, club in the coefficients, and Bronby carry the lowest coefficient rating right now. So it would really be quite an upset if Bronby can get a point out of this or maybe even a win on the road. But neither team has been at their absolute best in league play so far this year. Let's find out which team is a little bit hotter. Leon, by the way, won their first game in the group stage, and Bronby earned a tie. Leon. France, that's the number three size city, number two size metro, about two and a half million people, east central part of the country, really well known for uh, the banking sector, biotech industry in the uh, in the scientific area, and then uh, software, particularly game production, which I did not know. Uh, they're rated just outside probably the top 100 of clubs by UEFA. Twice they have made the Champions League semifinals, most recently 2019-2020, and then one time, 2016-17, they did make the semifinals of this event, the Europa League. They qualified for this year's event straight to the group stage by finishing in fourth place last year in the French top flight, League One. They got their three points here in the group stage by winning nil-two at Rangers of Scotland for the group stage win. Right now in their league, uh, pretty middling. They're only in sixth place. Offense has been good. They're top four there, but the defense has been woeful. That seems to be uh, the secondary theme for this uh, particular podcast outside of the whole goat thing from earlier. I don't think we'll need to revisit that though. They're tied for number 11th on defense, uh, tied for number eight overall in goal differential. 
Now, possible players of the match tied for number one in scoring is Moussa Dembele. He is an attacker, 25 years old, came up through uh, Paris Saint-Germain, their youth system. All-around best player they've got going right now is probably Lucas Paqueta, however, out of Brazil. He's a 24-year-old central midfielder. He's already got four goals, and he's excellent in open space. If you can, if you can catch him on the dribble... Figuratively, you're doing better than most players will, literally. He is incredibly fast. Uh, he's got quite the resume as well. He's played for Milan over in Italy, Serie A, and Flamengo in his home country. He's been the hottest player for the team, quite frankly, the last three matches. And while they have not been strong overall early this league season, they have won four of their five matches across all competitions. And that one loss was a two-to-one loss at Paris Saint-Germain. That's... Uh, not a shameful thing. Uh, a lot of teams lose and by a lot worse when it comes to visiting PSG. Now we'll talk about Brondby out of Denmark. The city they're from is called uh, Brondbyvester is the full name. The town proper is only about 20,000, but the whole uh, municipality is really much larger. It's part of the capital region, and Brondbyvester is the wealthiest part of that capital region. So if you... Uh, like your team's blue collar, rough and tumble, this is not the team for you. It's in the far east of the country, by the way. Uh, they are also probably uh, well inside, of, say, the top 150 UEFA clubs as of the most recent coefficient rankings. And they are the most popular club in all of Denmark. Uh, they've made a few Champions Leagues before. Uh, the best group stage, or rather the best finish they've ever had was the group stage. They managed that in 1998-99. Uh, they made the Europa League semifinals in 1990-91, but their typical international finish is to finish just short of the group stage in this event. So it would really be something if somehow, some way, they can finish in the top two here and advance or have a chance to make the knockout round. They qualified for the Champions League this year. They're the defending champions, but then they uh, lost in the playoff round right before the group stage. And so now here they are trying to get into the Europa League group stage. They got their draw against Sparta Prague of uh, the Czech Republic. Right now they are only in 10th place in the Danish top flight, the Super League are there. There's only 12 teams in it. They're nine matches in. Seventh best offense, ninth best defense. There's that theme again. So looking at the offense, at least, where they could get some help tied for number two and <gasps> whoops, number B. In overall league scoring is uh, Mikhail or Michael Ure. He's a forward. And then their all-around best player has been Josip Radosevic from Croatia. He's a central midfielder, another excellent dribble dribbler, but he's also pretty good at tackling. And he does contribute some on the offense, a goal and an assist on the year already. And we have an unexpected, at least to me, USA connection, our first one of the podcast. Christian Kappas, he's a central midfielder, 20, 22 years old, who, uh, if you're a USMNT fan, you might recognize his name. He did make two youth national team appearances back in 2019. He has spent his previous three seasons with Hobro. As far as the club's current form, they are 0-2-1 in their last three, and it's all been low-scoring goal fit. Goal differential of just one, four, and two against. So I don't know if that means they're improving on defense or just parking the bus and not trying to score or let anybody else score. Match number nine. Another Wednesday matchup. Say hello to the Copa Libertadores. We mentioned it before. South America's version of the Champions League. They're all the way through into the semifinal now. And in fact, the second match of the two-legged home and away tie. The winner of the match we're looking at is going to get either Palmeiras or Atletico Monairo, both out of Brazil. 
And the matchup is Barcelona SC out of Ecuador versus Flamengo, yet another Brazilian team. Apparently it's Brazil's world and we are just living in it. That's okay. You can catch this match 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on either BN Sports or BN Sports and Espanol, if you prefer the Spanish language broadcast. They've only played a few times recently, and Flamengo has won all three of the matches, including the first leg of this two-legged tie. Flamengo won at home 2-0. Let's talk about the hosts and yet challengers first, Barcelona SC. They are known as the Toreros which translates to bullfighters. They play out of the biggest city in the country, not the capital, though. It's Guayaquil, which is a west-central coastal city of about 3 million. Kick Algorithms rates this as pretty average in South America. Ecuador's top flight would be the number five rated league there. This team has two Champions League runner-up finishes to their credit. Both of those times, though, were way back in the 1990s. Last year was more typical of them this century. They finished in last place in the group stage of this event. Uh, 2021 league overall between the two stages, the one they finished and the one that they're currently in, they are number three on aggregate. This stage, the Clausura there, they are tied for number three on offense, tied for number one on defense. Team leading scorer to look out for is Gonzalo Mastriani. He is an Uruguayan, an attacker who's already got four goals and just seven appearances so far. As far as the team's current form, they really need Mr. Mastriani to uh, step up. They've only won won one match out of their last seven, and they have had some serious trouble scoring of late. Almost haven't had anything at all in that department. Now, Flamingo, they play out of the Gavea neighborhood of Rio de Janeiro. Very, very affluent. So once again, as mentioned before, if you like your team's kind of blue-collar rough and tumble, this may not be the club for you. But they do have a bit of a, a ickier or grittier mascot. They are known as the Vulture. Uh, they are the number six rated club in all of Conmebol. They have two Champions League titles to their credit, and the last one was just two years ago. This year in league play, they've been incredibly strong. They're in third place, but they've got the number one offense going at almost two goals per match, tied for second best in defense, and have the second best goal differential going. I think they're going to finish number two in the league to Atletico Mineiro, and wouldn't it be great if we happen to get that for a matchup in the Champions League? Although, I'll be honest, I'm also rooting for Barcelona in a way because I'm American and who doesn't love an underdog? Player to look for, tied for second best in league scoring for Flamengo is Bruno Enrique. He is a forward 30 years old. European footy fans will recognize his name perhaps from his time at VFL Wolfsburg in the German Bundesliga. They're having a very good year so far early this year. Fourth place, I think. In any case, uh, good luck trying to watch this guy, even if you're catching it on TV. He's one of the fastest players in the world, and he plays striker, not midfielder. Very interesting. On the league assist leaderboard in Brazil, another guy to look for, Georgian de Arascaita. He is from Uruguay as well. He is an attacking midfielder. Team's current form, they are 8-1-1 one, one over their last 10. And that only loss was, in most years, what is not usually a very shameful loss to Grêmio. They are a traditional power in Brazil. But this year, Grêmio is absolutely desperate. Last I looked, they are in the bottom four, which puts them in the relegation zone. And if Grêmio go down, that is going to be one of the biggest stories in Brazilian football probably in at least the last decade. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! And finally, we get to take a look at one of my favorite events, the Europa Conference League. You'll remember from earlier, I mentioned the hierarchy, Champions League, and then it goes down to Europe to the Europa League. And then their now new third best tournament is the Europa Conference League. And I love it so much because teams that can finish in like second, third, or even fourth place from a lot of the smaller countries in Europe 
get a chance to actually complete compete in international competition. And for a ton of them, something like 16 or 17 this year, it was the first time they'd ever participated in anything like that. Plus, they might get their shot at some of the teams from the Europa League and Champions League when they drop down if they advance far enough. So where are they in the event right now? They're in the group stage. The remaining teams have been broken up into groups of four. The winners will advance to the knockout stage. The runners-up in each of the groups will still have another chance to advance. They have to play what will be called a preliminary knockout round with the number three teams from the Europa League. I mentioned that in a previous match. Europa League third placers drop down. They have a chance to make the ECL group stage. In any case, the matchup we're going to focus on is Ammonia Nicosia out of the island country of Cyprus versus Karabag out of Azerbaijan. This group looks interesting. They've only played one match each, but the two matches that they played were both nil-nil, so they're all exactly dead even. Right now, if the group stage ended, they would have to look at uh, how many uh, yellow and red cards each of the teams might have gotten in their first match as a, as a deep, deep tiebreaker. I'm sure it won't end that way, though. Let's take a look at Ammonia first. They are known as the Queen, and they are a very, very left-wing socialist club, perhaps one of the most so in all of Europe. So if your preferences or predilections run that particular way, this is the club for you out of Nicosia. Now, they are only rated uh, probably in the 220s as far as the rankings for UEFA clubs, so not one of the strongest. They are the number 27 seed remaining out of the 32 teams still alive, so they are definitely your underdog. In their first match in the group stage, the team that they got to get their nil-nil draw with was Kairat out of Kazakhstan. Last year, they made the Champions League playoff round, which is just one round shy of the group stage. And that, as you might imagine, is the best that they had ever done. That dropped them down to the group stage, or nearly to the group stage. They got there in any case, and that was the best they'd ever done in the Europa League. Now they have a chance to make some hay here. Last year, they won their league, and so they entered in the Champions League this year in the second qualifying round. And then they ended up in this event after they dropped down to the Europa League and lost in the playoff round. There have been a handful of teams that have gotten to play in all three tournaments this year. So kind of fun for them. Last year in league play, because their new league season is very, very new. They've only played like two matches each. They had the number three offense, the number one defense by far, letting in less than a goal every other game on average. And that tied them for the second, or I'm sorry, the, uh, Best overall goal differential. Last year, their top team scorer was Ernest Cabuena. He is out of Ghana, attacker, 32 years old. The club's current form, they are 1-1-1 over the last three. And now the Azerbaijani squad, Karabag, they are known as the Horsemen. This is a club that is very popular in the country and a lot of sympathies from all over the country because the club was from a city called Agdam. But that's in the southwest part of the country where there's been a longstanding war going on between uh, Azerbaijanis and ethnic Armenians. That meant the club had to leave, and that was back in 1993. In fact, their original home city of Agdam is now a complete ghost town. They are uh, currently centered in the city of Baku. Uh, they are rated in the top 75 in UEFA, so a big advantage in that department. It looks like they're the stronger of these two teams, just generally speaking. They have eight league titles since uh, their country became independent. They had won seven straight league titles until last year. Last year, they made the Europa League group stage, and that is the farthest that they've ever been in the Champions League or the Europa League. They qualified for this event by finishing second place last year in their country's Premier League. This year in this event, they got their nil-nil draw against Basel out of Switzerland. 
They're number two in the league right now there, but they're only four matches in. Last year, statistically, my goodness, number one on offense, scoring well over two goals per match, number one defense, giving up less than a goal per match. And their overall goal differential was actually more than twice as good as the league champions, Neftchi. So Karabag just had a couple too many ties, couldn't quite get over the hump, it would seem, a time or two, and managed to lose their first league title in eight years. Number two league scorer is theirs. Guy's name is Mahir Emreli, if I'm getting his name right. But they don't have him to lean on this year. He moved on to Legiar Warsaw, a stronger club in Poland, and a very good team over there. So who will they be leaning on? Last year's number three, a league-leading scorer who is still with them, Filip Ozebich. He is a Croatian midfielder, 30 years old, and he's been their best player this year as well. He's got three goals already in four appearances. And then their number two goalkeeper from last year, I did it twice. I don't think I've ever done that twice. <laughs> Number B goalkeeper, Sharudin Mohamedilyev. See, I did the whole number you-know-what thing because I've been so focused on trying to get Mohamedilyev out correctly, which I've now managed two out of three times. That's not bad. In any case, their current form, they've got no losses in league play this year or in uh the ECL this year. So they've been undefeated going back uh, all the way until, well, July 22nd. I think Karabek definitely have to be your favorites. It's just a bigger country and a stronger league. Person Noob Sandwich Review. Hey, everyone. Person Noob here. Today we are doing a sandwich review, except I'm not a soccer noob because I set my studio up on my own. So I made myself a sandwich because I don't know. I was having a cook-off with my mom, and I decided to try it because Dad didn't want to. Well, soccer noob. I already tried calling Dad once, and he did not pay attention to me. That was on the podcast, and I don't know why. So, I'm not going to say what it has on it, but I, I don't even want that, honestly. It was a while ago. It tastes good. Yeah, nope, not anymore. I remember mushrooms, onion, strawberries, avocados, and mustard on bread. Do not try this. Why am I still eating this? The onion just gives it a horrible spicy taste. Three out of ten. I like the first bite or something. The mustard gives the strawberry a little taste. The avocado with the mustard is just great. The mushrooms were good, kind of. And that was almost all that's on the sandwich. We'll have to see you in the next episode. Bye! And now for perhaps my very favorite part of the show, the Super Cool 3 bonus matches. And it's my favorite in large part because you have had a chance to have a direct say in what the content was going to be. At the beginning of every week, I put up polls on Twitter. By the way, my handle there is Soccer Noob USA. You can vote on these uh, three very unique, unusual matches in their own way. If you're a first-time listener, you'll discover what I mean shortly. The winners make the show. The magic content happens. It's really cool. So our first match 
is a first versus last place matchup in some countries' top flight league, one that we like to call the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And yes, Persanoob, it is exactly that traumatic. And we go to Saturday on the calendar and to Scotland for the match where they are only six matches in to the season for the premiership there, top flight. And we have number 12, last place Dundee FC, taking on number one Rangers in what should just be an absolute roadkill situation, even though it's at Dundee. As far as the series, I'm surprised it's even this close. In their last 11 games, the Rangers have gotten seven wins and two draws. Nevertheless, let's talk about the challengers first. Now, this club, if you're kind of sort of familiar with Scottish football, don't confuse it with Dundee United. It would be easy to do, not only because of the similarity in name, but in a way because they're also even on the same street. They've got nearly the same darn mailing address. It's a very, very friendly and respectful rivalry. Rangers uh, save all their bile and vitriol for fellow Glasgowians, uh, Celtic, I suppose. Um, It's the closest geographical derby or rivalry uh, anywhere in Europe, and I'm going to guess the world. You could probably throw a rock from one club office to the other. In any case, Dundee is a coastal city. It's in the east central part of the country, a little bit over 150,000 people in size. That makes it fourth biggest in Scotland. Fun side note, because we don't just like to learn about soccer, we like to learn about the world through the lens of soccer. Dundee, one of the things it's more famous for, is their Mountain Film Festival. Films that are nothing but about mountaineering, mountain culture, and adventure sport. I would love to get to something like that someday. It just sounds cool and unique. In any case, as far as the footy, they've only got one league title ever to their credit, and that was from back in their glory days of the 1960s. In fact, the year they won the title, the next year they actually got all the way to the semifinal of what is now called the Champions League. Last year, they finished in second place in the Scottish Championship. That's their second division league, and they had to win a promotion playoff game to move up against, I believe, the second-to-last place team from the Scottish Premiership. So congratulations on getting up here. It's not looking so far like you're going to get to stay, and today is not going to be a move in that direction. This is one of the three teams in the league early on that still has no wins. They've got the uh, number 11 offenses all, number 10 defense, That means they're tied for worst on goal differential. Not a lot to really hang their hopes on, to be honest. Their average result so far this year has been a one-plus goal loss. The best all-around player they've got going is their center back. Lee Ashcroft's got a very good rating, and he is physical. The offensive players for Rangers will not want to mess with him. You know, stay healthy for other games. He's got an 83% tackle rate, incredibly physical. As far as the club's form, they are 0-2-1 in their last three. They managed to draw three matches ago versus Livingston, but that was just a nil-nil draw. In fact, they haven't scored in four straight matches across all competitions. And now Rangers, a team I'm sure you're much more familiar with. They've got a lion on the crest, boo. But one of their sort of secondary club uh, official or quasi-official nicknames is the Teddy Bears. Aw, we like that better than Lions, even if they're not quite as intimidating. Their record <laughs> intimidates enough. They're from the southwest part of the uh, Glasgow in a district called Govan, uh, Just to give some perspective, their rivalry with Celtic, that I mentioned Celtic is the East End team, so East-West thing going there. 55 league titles, undefeated champions from last year. Although that was their first year since uh, uh, their first league title since 2010-11. I didn't realize Celtic had won quite that many in a row. They won what is now the Europa League in the 1960s once. Last year, 
They made the uh, third qualifying round of the Champions League and then the group stage of the Europa League. That's a pretty typical finish for them. Scotland's league is really on the rise of late, but historically it's not anywhere near one of the strongest ones in uh, Europe or at the very least Western Europe. They're incredibly well balanced this year so far. Third best offense, number four defense. Tied for number one in assists, probably their best offensive player going is James Tavernier. He's from uh, England and he actually plays right back, but must get up into the midfield quite a lot to get those assists. Uh, Most of his career, this just helps lend some perspective on what are the abilities of most of the teams, or at least the better teams from Scotland compared to say England? Well, most of his career, this guy has been on loan to various division two clubs over in England. He spent a lot of his career in the championship. As far as the club's current form, they are one, one and one across all competitions. That one loss was uh, not a shameful one. They lost to Lyon in the Europa league. My thoughts on this run is they always do. I always predict that the better team will win near nil four, But remember, last week we did have an upset in the route of the week match. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Perhaps no match in the world or on the show every week deserves its own theme song less than this. Yes, the most meaningless match in the world. But that's why we do it. Never travel in a straight line purpose of this is to shine a light on two teams that perhaps every year and certainly this year have probably not been getting any attention from anyone in the press or any podcasts because they're stuck right in the middle of their league table, perfectly equidistant between the top of the league or finishing high enough to get an international berth or last place or low enough to be at risk for getting kicked out of their league, in which case some people would still be paying attention to them. And your most meaningless match is a Sunday match. The one you voted on is from Finland's top flight, the Vikosliga. That is only the number 42 rated league in all of UEFA. It is one of Europe's summer leagues. As such, it is down to the last match of the regular season. Then they're going to start their next phase. Uh, The top six of the 10 teams will go to the championship round, and the bottom teams will go to the relegation round. I think they call it the challenge round, but that's essentially what it is. So this match is not quite as meaningless as some meaningless matches would be. Because of that upcoming division, nevertheless, I qualified and you voted for it. Matchup we're going to look at is number seven, Ilvis. And yes, they could still finish in the top six with a win and the right results above them versus number eight, Honka. Now, Ilvis, here's how the table looks. They are tied on points with FC Lati and another team called HIFK, but they have the worst goal differential of the three. So right now in this sort of uh, setup of musical chairs, they're in last place of those three. They need a win and they, uh, or even I suppose a draw, but they also need a little bit of help, especially because HIFK actually have two matches left in their season. They have a game in hand. In any case, as far as this match, Ilvis lead Honka by seven in the table. So all Honka can do is play spoiler to Ilvis. Probably a draw would be enough to keep them out of the top six. As far as the recent series in the last 10, Honka have actually had the best of it. Five, three, and two record. And they won earlier this season at home in a route four to one. We'll talk about Ilvis first. Uh, the full name of the club is uh, Tump. Tampereyan Ilvis. The name of the city they are from is Tampere. I'm struggling with it because it looks like Tampere is the way it would be pronounced. T-A-N-P-E-R-E. Uh, this is the most populous 
inland city in all of the Scandinavian countries, uh, over 350,000 in the greater metro area. It's the third biggest city in Finland. They are known as the Manchester of the North. And in fact, in that country, they call the people there Mance, just like you would call that if you were in Britain, I think, people from Manchester, largely because of the industry and the type of heavy industry that has uh, been a key part of the economy up there for decades. Also, they've got the most public saunas in the world. So after your most meaningless match, why not take a good, long, hot soak and contemplate the nihilistic or existential nature of the match that you just paid attention to? Okay, that got weird again. Their mascot is anything but existential. It's one of the ugliest drawings of a creature I've ever seen. It's a very rabbit, feral-looking lynx on the crest. And it looks like he needs a dentist really bad to shark pointy teeth. In any case, the men's team actually dissolved a while ago, and they didn't have a team, or at least this team didn't exist under this name from 1999 to 2007. It got replaced. A different club ended up forming... Uh, uh, Tampere United, and that club still exists, but they are all the way back down in the fourth division. So after 2007, uh, Tampere Ilves decided to reform, and uh, they apparently got back up much, much faster somehow. The team only has one league title to their credit historically, and that was back in 1983. They have never been past the first round of the Champions League or Europa League. Last year, they were uh, a tiny bit less meaningless. They were number five at the end of the regular season. Uh, this year, their offense and defense are both very middling. Their leading scorer on the scoring leaderboard for the league top 10 is E2 Momo. I'm hoping I'm getting that right. He's a forward, only 19 years old. It'll be interesting to see where in Europe he might be off to next, although I didn't find any upcoming transfer rumors. But with their season ending, I think some other European league will grab him. Tied with him on the scoring leaderboard is a guy who just did move on at the beginning of this month, E2 Vertanen. He was their striker, 22 years old, and he, he moved on to St. Johnstone of, yeah, we talked about Scotland this broadcast. He, moved, he joined them on September 1st. As far as the club's current form, they've won four straight wins to get to this meaningless position, and they haven't conceded a single goal yet. Now, Honka, they are out of... Espa, it looks like Espoo, E-S-P-O-O. Uh, they are out of the second biggest city in Finland, although essentially it's really a, a part of the greater Helsinki area. This club, to lend some perspective, is ranked exactly number 400 in all of Europe. The northern leagues uh, just don't tend to be stronger ones. They have had three runners-up league finishes. They've never taken the title. Most recent one of those was uh, 2013. Last year, they finished in fourth place. Their stats this year are a little bit more interesting because their offense is top four, but their defense is top nine. So that's where they really struggle. They've got top 10 league leading scorer on their side, a Brazilian named Luis Enrique. He's a 23-year-old uh, center forward. He's actually on loan from a bigger team from a bigger club, uh, Vila over in Denmark. Not one of Denmark's stronger clubs, but still a much stronger league. And we have an unexpected to me, at least, USA connection once again. Their goalkeeper, 34-year-old Tim Murray. He's never appeared for an MLS team, but New England did have the rights to him about eight years ago. Didn't make any appearances. Uh, he played for a lot of uh, non-MLS teams. And then in 2015, he came over to Finland. I don't know if he's got a family connection or his agent or what, but he's been playing for nothing but Finnish teams since 2015. And the club current form for them is also 1-1-1. One, one, and one. As far as my thoughts on who might win and who might lose, don't care. It's the most meaningless match in the world. Just makes me want to take a sauna visit. And now at last, dear new bites, we come to the end of our podcast road. And as always, 
We do not end with a third match that celebrates good teams, but rather we point out to you two teams that are worthy of your scorn, your bile and vitriol. In fact, you should shun them in all likelihood. There are two teams facing off that both occupy the last two spots in their league from somewhere in the world. This is the match of... Disappointed! And it comes to us as a Saturday match out of Estonia's Maestro Liga, which is the number 49 ranked league in all of Europe. Your matchup is number nine, Parno JK, oh, I don't know, Vapris, taking on number 10, uh, Tamika, Tamika. This is a match of disappointed. They didn't earn my respect. I didn't look up the pronunciations other than Parno. I wanted to get that one right for some reason. In any case, here's how the league stands. They're almost done with the regular season. The top six teams are going to go on to a championship round. The bottom four are going to play in a relegation round. One of the teams is going to get relegated. One is going to play in what's known as a relegation playoff. If you finish in second to last, you have to play the second place team from the second division to fight for your Maestro Liga life. Right now, Vapris lead uh, Tamika by two. Neither of them can avoid uh, finishing in the bottom four impact. There's just about no mathematical way. It's not going to be these two that go down. All the other teams in the league have a massive lead on them. Let's take a look at the home team first. Vapris, they are known as the Bears. Parno is the number four size city in the entire country. It's probably hard to play good football there, not that we look for excuses, but it's a coastal resort town. About 40,000 people, everybody comes there on holiday. It's probably like trying to film a, you know, shoot a movie in Vegas. Once you get everybody there, it's just going to be hard for everybody to stay focused. It's for holiday. And next year, by the way, they are going to be celebrating their 100th, 100th club birthday. Too bad you'll probably be doing it in the second division. Last year, they won the ESA Liga, which is the Division II league in the country, and it looks like they're going to be going right back down. Hopefully, they're keeping their places still warm. The team is only 4-3-17, and 17, which is not the worst last-place team that we've ever seen in a match of disappointed. But this goal differential, uh, they've got the worst offense going. They only score an average of every uh, three times every four games. Then they've got the worst defense as well. They nearly give up three per match, 69 goals on the season. Are they even playing a netminder? I'm not sure. They lose on average by two points per match. The team leading scorer, who I'm sure would rather be on holiday himself, is Enrico Vinsalo. He is a homegrown attacker, 22 years old. The club's form, not too surprising. They've lost their last four and been outscored. Woof, 16 to nil. Now we'll look at Tarto J.K. Tamika. They play out of the city of Tarto, which is the second largest city in the country, East Central area. Uh, might have 100,000 people, but probably not quite there. It is the oldest city of any of them in all of the Baltic states. Got a couple of things going for them. Just too bad they're not soccer-related. Tarto, host of, home of the University of Tarto, is considered the intellectual center of the country. Ooh la la, does your college soccer team stink as well? Quite possibly. And they've been named for 2024, something called they're going to be one of the European capitals of culture. And well, well, actually, that's just pretty cool. They get to host the, the cities that get that, get to do a, a year's worth of cultural festivals and people from all over Europe come. And actually, that's pretty cool. They've never won the league title. Last year, they finished in fifth place. Interestingly, they've never been relegated since their founding in 1989. Well, I guess there's a first time for everything, huh, you losers? 
Oof. They are 4-3-16 and 16 on the year, number nine offense, defense, and goal differential. Team leading scorer is homegrown attacker, 25 years old, Tristan Co-score. And talk about a, about a guy who's destined to be one of our matches of Disappointed. He played for Filker in Iceland pretty recently, which is a horrible team from that country. And in fact, that team featured in last week's match of Disappointed. So there you have it, two of the worst teams. It doesn't matter who wins. We would wish them good luck, but that's just not how we do it for teams in the match to disappointed. Instead, we send them off in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Away. Hey, boo. boo. And that is a wrap on the anniversary birthday. No, I guess we decided on podversary, right, person noob? Yeah. Episode number 50 of the 10 to track weekly world match previews. The very last episode of the show, but only in the sense that, as we mentioned in the intro, we're going to be changing it. We really hope that you'll tune in uh, next week for the big debut. It's going to be uh, silly. It's going to be fun. And I think you're going to enjoy the very, very minor changes a lot. We're mostly going to be adding more content, not really taking anything away or changing too much. Thank you so much. This week and every week to the management for all of his editing and production duties to Dan, the Interno Inferno from my former website and to you, the listener. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for keep, keeping us going for a year strong. It's meant a lot to do this. I hope that you will tell your footy minded friends or maybe people you would like to be footy minded friends about the show because we really endeavor to do something that is Built a little bit for newer listeners, has a lot for veteran listeners, and has just a lot of oddball comedy that give this show hopefully a personality like no other podcast out there. So until we see you next week for the first one of year number two, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.